All right, it is Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. So this is an episode of Ask Jess, where you have written in so many questions this week, uh, which is really exciting. I can't wait to dive into them. If you're joining us live, say hello. If you're watching on replay, just pop a hashtag replay in there and say hi so we can come back and say hello then. All right, let me pull up these questions and we will dive right in. We have so many Number question number one. I'm in the process of decluttering now and I actually need help. Can I join the boot camp even though it's passed so I can watch the videos? Hey Gail, uh, that is a great question. You can always purchase past boot camp videos for $10. So yes, 100% you can go back and grab those videos. Once you buy them, you have access to them forever. So it's a one-time $10 purchase or you can join our next live boot camp, which I'm not exactly sure when that's gonna be. Uh, so I would say your best bet right now is to go and grab those videos if you want to learn the basics of how to start decluttering. Hey, Marsha. Hello. We have Anne, Linda, Amy. It's so nice to see everyone on here. All right. Question number one is done. Question number two. My parents have been gone for over 20 years and it's only me and my brother and we have their house and all of their stuff. I live in the family home and I'm trying to deal with the, all the clutter plus my own that I accumulated. It's embarrassing that I have dealt with all this clutter all these years. I'm overwhelmed and my brother is not a real help. On top of this, I believe I have ADHD. Do you have any thoughts about dealing with parents stuff that have passed on? Thank you in advance. Okay, great question. Number one, ADHD is very much linked to clutter. So if you believe that you have ADHD, definitely seek out a professional diagnosis. Adult ADHD and adult onset ADHD look very different from ADHD in children. And if you do have ADHD, there are a lot of strategies that you can employ when you're tackling your clutter, many of which we do anyway, uh, like setting a timer to stay focused, establishing routines, all that stuff can help. Uh, but I would say definitely seek a diagnosis if you believe you have ADHD. If you are dealing with an estate situation and there are multiple siblings involved, my recommendation is to start to put a timeline around going through the stuff. So oftentimes there's some siblings who are more helpful and some siblings who are processing the grief and don't really want to have anything to do with this stuff. Establish where you're at in terms of what you, how involved you want to be. And if you have a sibling that is not going to be physically helpful and there to actually help move all the stuff out, perhaps they can be financially helpful and contribute to hiring somebody to help you. Uh, but have that conversation, have that difficult conversation and get it in writing and then establish a timeline for going through the items that remain when you inherit an estate. When we're talking about our parents' stuff, it can be very emotional. Before you even start going through this stuff, make a list of your top 10 items from your parents that you have positive memories of them connected to those items. So you have your list of, without looking at anything, your list of your top 10 things that you definitely must keep. Those are the most important items to you, those top 10. What happens as we start to go through stuff, oh, I forgot about this. Oh, I forgot about this. Oh, I need to keep this. Oh, have your list of your top 10 without looking at the stuff first. So you have this guide that you can follow as you're going through things. If you've had items for 20 years, it's possible that the items have degraded. Uh, 
had maybe rodents get into them um, have started to fall apart. So please, I just say that because I want you to be prepared as you're opening up boxes that you might find items that have been destroyed by time. And it is important to remember that every single thing that we own is temporary. It all ultimately will end up in a landfill. Nothing that we own is meant to last forever. So if you open up a box and you find things that have deteriorated or are unusable, they've just exceeded their life span. And that's okay. That's what happens. So just have that expectation to begin with because it can be very disappointing and emotional to open a box and find things have been wrecked. Um, so just go into it with that mindset and then be super realistic about how much of these items you are going to keep. Have a defined amount of space for estate items that you are keeping and try to honor the memory of the person. So when you find something that is beautiful, really has a positive memory attached to it, it has a spot of honor in your home. Keeping items in boxes that are important is not giving them a lot of importance when they're locked up in a box and you're never looking at it. So proceed with a lot of love for yourself, put a timeline on this, put a space parameter on it, and be really realistic about how much you can keep and how much you should keep. Uh, because again, nothing is meant to last forever. So just throwing that out there. <laughs> um, okay, let's see, next question. If you have an emotional attachment, that would be working against yourself. How is it possible to declutter your attachment? This is a question that comes up pretty often. And the first step to doing this, I'm not going to go into a, a very detailed answer because it, this, is a, this could be a very <laughs> lengthy coaching session. But we're not actually trying to declutter our attachments. We're trying to grow around our attachments and grow with our attachments and find a way to honor the memory, to honor who we are, and to not have it be connected to a thing. So we're always going to have emotional attachments to other people, to other things, but the attachment comes from inside of us. So it's not actually, I know we, the term is emotional attachment. It's not actually attached to a thing or a person. It's inside of us. We can never throw away a memory, right? It's not possible. We can get rid of a thing. We can never throw away a memory. Oftentimes when we have an emotional attachment, it's a story or a feeling that if we share it with somebody else, it will help tremendously in kind of starting to sever that tie to the specific thing. So if you are emotionally attached to an item, tell a friend, tell a family member the story of the emotional attachment. Why does this feel important to you? Start to share that story and that can help you release some of the grip that you have on the thing because you're sharing the story and sharing the emotion and putting it out into the world in a way that exists above and beyond you and the thing. Does that make sense? That is my number one tip for starting to 
bridge these emotional attachments is share, share it with someone, tell your story, write it down, journal about it. So it doesn't just exist with you and with the inside of you. It's somewhere else. Um, journaling can be a really powerful way to share stories and emotions and attachments that can start to break it, break that attachment to that very specific thing. I think it's also important to remember we're not attached to everything. So a story that we tell ourselves is I'm emotionally attached to everything. There is nobody that is emotionally attached to absolutely everything. You can find something that you are not fully emotionally attached to <laughs> or that you have really, you don't really care about and let that go and focus your decluttering there first. Okay, next question. <laughs> How does one get out of the procrastination trap? I know that I want to declutter, I just can't get started. So we can never rely on motivation to get started to do anything. Motivation is fickle, it likes to go on vacation. My motivation is often on vacation with your motivation, it's not here. We can't rely on motivation. We have to take action and we have to take routine action every single day. What we don't need to do is take hours of action. We need to take five minutes. Five minutes of action is going to help tackle that procrastination. And it's actually going to be motivating to take action. So if you're listening to this and you have been procrastinating on something, put your phone down. You can watch the replay later and get the rest of this. Put your phone down, set your timer for five minutes and go do that thing. Do not wait for the motivation to come. Just take care of it. That is how we overcome procrastination. Five little minutes at a time. If you start to do something and you start to feel yourself pulling back from doing it because, oh, I'm very used to not doing something, five, four, three, two, one, go do it. Like just five seconds to start taking that action. Get it done. There's no magic bullet for procrastination, unfortunately. But the more that you get used to not procrastinating, the easier it will be to continue to not procrastinate. So you have to start to shift yourself a little bit in that direction. You can do it. So again, if you're listening to this and there's something you've been meaning to do, you've been procrastinating on it, I want you to turn off Facebook right now, close it down, shut it down, go do that thing, come back and watch this later or don't. Take care of what you need to take care of right now. How many pairs of work shoes should I have if I work on my feet at a hospital 40 hours a week? Okay. I can never tell you how many pairs of shoes you should have <laughs> or how many of anything you should have. That's going to be very specific to you. Uh, I would say you should have as many pairs as are healthy and comfortable for you to have. So if you need to have two pairs a week because you have to kind of give one pair some time to recover from being on your feet all day long, I, the number is going to have to be right for you. But whatever that number is, you want to make sure that you have space for it in your house. So if you have to have more work shoes than somebody else does, that's okay. But make sure you have the storage space for it, which means other collections need to shrink to accommodate a slightly larger, but very critically important collection. Um, so I would say, you know you, you know how often you have to change your work shoes. You know what the right number is for you. Own it and honor it with the right amount of space. Uh, procrastinating and habit making. So I think we kind of covered that. And it's not exactly a question. So. 
Um, if you asked that question, <laughs> we were talking about it a little bit already. So we, we covered that one. Okay. What do you do with things that should have a home, but you can't get to the home yet? And there is no place for a drop zone. This is temporary chaos. So if you have items in your house that you're keeping because they need to stay in your house, but you have clutter where they should go, what you want to do is make a temporary home for them. And key word here is temporary. Find a box, put a label on it, bathroom items, put your stuff in there, put a date on that label. So if you decide this is my temporary collection for right now, and it is, what is it, August 29th today, I'm giving myself one month to make space for this. If you don't make space for it, just, just be realistic about your timeline, right? The thing with temporary chaos is we have to keep pushing through the decluttering process in order to actually finish, right? So we have to, we tend to make a bigger mess when we start decluttering or pulling stuff out, we're recategorizing, we're organizing, but we don't quite have a spot to put things back yet. The only way to create that spot is to continue on this process of decluttering and make it a priority. That means do it every day, not for hours, but if this is a priority to you, then you need to find time in your schedule for it to actually be a priority. If you say it's a priority and you're not actually doing it, it's not really a priority, it's a dream. Um, so make time to do this every day. Push yourself through the temporary chaos so that you can get to the other side where you have that home that is functional and easy. Keep pushing forward on this. Don't let it be temporary forever because then you haven't decluttered and you haven't organized. So <laughs> be realistic with yourselves. Okay, and the last question that came in here, what to do when you have a spouse who is fed up with all of the clutter and wants it gone now? And you argue about the clutter that you are starting to get rid of, but he just wants it all gone and thrown away right now. Okay, this is a really good question. Clutter can definitely impact our relationships. And that is a big reason to tackle the clutter. When the relationship becomes part of the clutter, we need to first off address that relationship separately. So make sure that you are in a spot where you can communicate very clearly, find support around that if you need to. Uh, if possible, find a therapist that you can work with to help you with that communication. Really, it's about the communication. When your spouse wants to help you and starts to throw out your stuff that is not helpful, that can be very, actually be very re-traumatizing and can cause you to hold on to things even more tightly. But you need to be able to communicate that with the other person because their intentions are not bad most of the time, um, but they don't know how to actually be helpful. So you have to communicate, this is what would be helpful. Oftentimes, it would be helpful for somebody else to take the items that you have decluttered and bring them to a donation center, to take the garbage out and, you know, it would be, find what would be helpful. Sometimes it's most helpful for them to not be in the house. So that's what you need to communicate. Whatever would be actually helpful to help you move forward is what you need to communicate with your spouse. And I would encourage everyone listening, if your communication is cluttered, if it's not going well, figure out a way to communicate that is different from what you have been doing in the past because that's not working. Maybe it's writing a letter. Maybe it is embracing the compliment sandwich where you say something nice, insert a request, and end with something positive. 
that's a very effective method um, for communicating. And here's an example, if you want somebody to help you declutter, but what they're doing is not actually helpful, you might recognize, so you start with the compliment, recognize how they are helpful. Thank you so much for going to work every day and you know supporting our family in that way. That's the positive. I understand that this clutter is a big problem. I'm trying very hard to work on it. It would be really helpful if you let me move at my own consistent pace and gave me the space by not being home to do that. Thank you for understanding and thank you for being with me on this journey, whatever, positive, right? Compliment, request, compliment. It's called a compliment sandwich. I once heard a second grade teacher teach this to her second graders. And I thought, wow, <laughs> if second graders can understand this, I could probably do this with my husband also. Um, it really does work. It's a different way. It changes the way that you're communicating and the communication patterns tend to keep us stuck. So what can you do to step back, change that communication, understand what you need from your significant other to act that would actually be helpful and communicate that in a way that is different from how you've been communicating in the past. All right, that was a great ask Jess. <laughs> These questions, I love them. Um, so many this week. If you have further questions for next week, please put them into the comments or into our group, put them somewhere. You can always email them to support at prioritizeyoursanity.com. And I look forward to seeing everyone next week. In other news, uh, these are always saved on YouTube and there's other videos on YouTube as well, including my video last week on radically simplifying my schedule. If you haven't seen that one, uh, we'll pop it into the comments here. Make sure to go and watch it, like and subscribe over there. And there's so much more free content over on YouTube. So hop over to that channel. Have a wonderful, wonderful day, everyone. See you next week.